Have you signed up for Unfound's other podcast, Unfound Live, yet? Thank you. Jace Martin was a 31-year-old from Destrahan, Louisiana. He was a father who had been a child model. On February 11, 2020, Jace had an argument with his girlfriend concerning something she found on his phone. Jace left their apartment after she told him to leave. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. Despite covering as much information as we can on every episode of Unfound, there are still things that slip through interviews or revelations that occur right after the podcast has aired that surprise us and even alter our ideas about what happened in those disappearances. Some examples. Unique Harris. Right after the episode came out, Isaac Moy was charged with Unique's murder. And what became obvious is Unique's mother left out a few details during her interview. Peggy and Patty McDaniel. Within a year of the episode airing, their mother, Joyce, got her hands on a report showing that police didn't even get her daughter's last names correct back in 1979. Lara Bible and Ashley Freeman. The public discovered in 2018, after the episode aired, that police had lost, then rediscovered, a key piece of evidence, that being a car insurance card, that eventually led to the identification of the killers. Most recently, Paul Sanders, where a couple of Unfound's listeners, just since the episode aired earlier this year, found out police did not fill out the proper paperwork in regards to something very important concerning Paul's disappearance. That's all I can say right now. Well, with the disappearance of Jace Martin, I'm happy to say that has not occurred. You're going to get to hear that one more thing. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Linez's website, charlieproject.org. Jace was one of four children in the Martin family, along with Tabitha, Cedric, and Victoria. As a child, he was a model, but all it took was one bad experience for him to end that. However, as Jace became an adult, those good looks stayed with him, and he had no problems attracting women. But under that GQ facade was a guy who struggled with his mental health and addictions, to the point that Jace was not permitted to see his two children for long periods of time. Yet, in the months before his disappearance, Jace seemed to be on the straight and narrow again, and in a relationship with a woman with common healthy interests. So, on February 11, 2020, Jace had picked his girlfriend Elizabeth up at work. 
At home, they got into an argument concerning something Elizabeth saw on Jace's phone. Although there is still uncertainty whether Jace voluntarily showed it to her or she saw it while looking at his phone herself. Either way, she requested that Jace leave. Within minutes, though, Elizabeth changed her mind and said Jace could at least stay until the next day. But Jace refused, leaving with a backpack and a trash bag full of clothes. He was never seen again. The last ping of Jace's phone showed him in a park just south of their home. A search of that area and a cursory inspection of the nearby Mississippi River turned up nothing. Not even the backpack or trash bag were seen. Right now, you're thinking that Jace's disappearance has a lot of similarities to Jamie Valdez's from last week. I agree. This was not planned. But there is certainly one big difference you will hear during the interview that you will need to contemplate while also trying to answer these three questions. Number one, why won't Jace's girlfriend reveal what she saw on his phone? Number two, why didn't Jace call for a ride instead of just leaving without calling anyone? And number three, is it reasonable to doubt the entire official story of Jace's disappearance? Jace's family could certainly understand him straying off, considering his long history of instability, but revelations after his disappearance have pointed members in a foul play direction. The guest for this episode is Jace's sister, Victoria Martin. Unfound news. It's the end of the month, so that means two things. First, newsletter will be out before you hear my voice again. Get on the list by emailing me at unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. And also, the next Unfound Now. Look for it on the Unfound Podcast channel on YouTube. Next, we will be having a very special guest on an episode of Unfound in the next couple weeks. I'm keeping it a secret for now. Finally, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Mine was spectacular, especially since I didn't have to cook. Where you can find Unfound. On these following podcast platforms. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and many others. Especially outside the United States. The new podcast, Unfound Live, which comes out on Tuesdays, can also be found on these platforms. Social media sites, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newest one, TikTok. Listener support sites, patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast, paypal.me forward slash unfoundpodcast. The website theunfoundpodcast.com The email address unfoundpodcast at gmail.com And please mention Unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the sister of Jace Martin, Victoria Martin. 
Victoria, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. I think you are the first Victoria we've had as a guest. So that's very, that's a, that's a great, that's a great name. Okay. And she's not a Vicky. She's a Victoria, which I certainly respect. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's just start here. Um, let's talk a little, just a little bit about your family. Of course, you are Jace's sister, but just maybe give an overview of the Martins, uh, being Jace's sister. Do you have any other brothers or sisters? Let's just start right there. Yeah, so I am the youngest in the whole entire family. I have an older sister, Tabitha, and then there's Jace right after. And then in between uh, me and Jace, there's my brother, Cedric. Cedric, another fantastic name. Okay, Cedric, yes. Victoria, Jace, Tabitha, all very interesting names. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's just the way your parents are? Are those like family names or, or, or what? Uh, Cedric is a family name. He's named after our father's father who passed away before either of us were born. Um, but Tabitha, I don't, that's not a family name. Uh -huh. Don't know where it came from. Jace, uh, not a family name. Neither am I. Okay. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Just, kinds, yeah. They wanted small names, they said. Right. I, I have three, uh, two brother, biological brothers and a biological sister, and they're the opposite. They're Michael, Brian, and Diane. They couldn't be more uh, common, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So uh, how many ages difference between you and Jace? Uh, seven years. Seven years. So he is the big brother. He's 15. You're eight. He's 20. You're 13. Um, what kind of... Um, were you like the bothersome little sister or how would you characterize uh, him as your older brother, your two relationship? I I don't think I became the bothersome younger sister until I was a little bit older. When I was in my toddler years, he and I were pretty close. There's tons and tons of pictures and stories of, you know, he, he was always very uh, protective and always wanted to play with me. And he was the one that if I wanted play with baby dolls or do a tea party he was first in line um really loved being a big brother because he loved star wars and he paint our faces like star wars characters and force us to play and like act out scenes from star wars <laughs> and so he loved that he was able to do that with us wow. and i was always like the first one to you know get my face painted like darth maul uh <laughs> okay. all right so when you're talking about recreate star wars you're talking about the newer uh maybe from the late 90s into the 2000s you're not talking yeah. about the ones like i'm 52 years old so i'm an oldster so i think of like the original ones you're talking about the more recent ones darth maul with yeah. the double lightsaber etc yeah. okay all right well that sounds pretty cool <laughs> yeah he i don't think i became bothersome to him until he hit his like preteen years and he got, you know, that angsty, that angsty boy type of thing, always wanting to listen to like heavy metal and, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I, then I became kind of bothersome and okay. then are like, okay, go away, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. And as, as we got older, we, um, we were able to actually hang out once, okay. once I hit older teen years, he was more like, wow, I believe I can actually talk to you and treat you like a, an adult now right. and you know we were able to kind of bond at that point we had similar interests and I mean we were very different people we were uh, oil and water pretty much we fought a lot 
when, as we got older, but once I kind of hit about 18, 19, we, our relationship drastically changed and took like a sharp turn left. So okay, it was fun. It was fun being the youngest in the. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I suppose I'm sure it was. Uh, you get all, maybe got all the attention. When we have to remember that Jace, uh, when he disappeared, he was into his 30s. So you're like mid 20s. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you're both, you know, you're both adults by the time that he went missing. You know, you weren't uh, teenagers anymore. You know, he wasn't like he was 19 and you were 12 or anything. Okay. Right. Okay. And uh, what about Cedric and Tabitha? How would you say the other two got along with Jace? Uh, they got along really well. Tabitha, um, are, so Tabitha and are very close in age and Cedric and I are very close in age. Okay. Um, I think they have a three, two and a half, three year age gap. And then Cedric and I have a 15 month age gap. Oh, that's it. Wow. Yeah. Or like they had those two and then it was us two. Um, mm -hmm. so they got along really well. They, their birthdays fall between a month of each other. Obviously, you know, different years, but he was January, yeah. she's January. Um, so they had combined birthday parties at the same friend groups. You know, they they had very good relationships. Cedric and Jace, um, Cedric and Jace's relationship was very similar to mine and Jace's, you know, the 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 Star Wars thing. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he did things with him that were different, like he played with G.I. Joe's or video games, things that I wasn't into. Yeah. Um, they got pretty well. Um, until, uh, honestly, until about teen years and, um, Cedric, Cedric didn't really get along with anybody at that point. <laughs> okay. okay. Cedric was the stereotypical middle child syndrome kind of guy. So at that point he didn't really care for any of us. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, Cedric. Okay. Well, let's, uh, okay. So we got a good idea about, um, the children, how they all got along, and of course, uh, uh, how would you say that Jace got along with uh, your parents? Um, let's just maybe just move on to Jace exclusively. Just talking about uh, his personality, yeah. his interests, his relationship to your to your uh, mother and father. Let's just talk about him exclusively now. Yeah. What can you say about all that? So he had he had a pretty good relationship with my parents again until um, about the teen years, but I think that kind of goes for everybody. Um, you know, you're you're pretty okay with your parents until you hit about fifteen, sixteen, and then it's God, you don't know me. You know, I know everything. So that was very traditional for him. They they got they got along pretty well until he hit his teen years, and um, then then you know fighting ensued and. Uh, you know, it was very up and down, but our parents were very honest and open people. And so even if they had rules, you know, they explained why we had them. He just didn't like them, but mm -hmm. they, they were very close. My mom and my brother, Jace, they're, they're very, very similar people and uh, they're both very passionate human beings. So I think that's why they would butt heads. He and my mom butt heads more than he and my dad did because they're both very similar and I think that's where their uh, their tension came from. But they they had relatively good relationships. Like there wasn't any uh, like hatred or animosity or anything like that. They had they had good relationships. Okay, 
Let's uh, just talk about uh, maybe some interests, uh, personality, hobby, what, what kind of stuff was. Maybe I should ask you this. His name, his real name is Jace. It's not like short for Jason or anything like that. His given name is Jace. Yeah, given name is Jace. Jace Michael Martin. Jace Michael Martin. Okay. Um, as far as like interests, hobbies, was he into sports, uh, you know, hunting or music <laughs> or what? What are some of the things that you remember about your brother? What was he into? Obviously, he was into Star Wars. What else? Jace was not an athletic kind of guy. No. Okay. <laughs> not. He was not athletic at all. Um, he did actually modeling when he was younger. Well, look at him. He wanted, yeah, he wanted to be a model and an actor. And he did that, God, until after I was born. And then he, something happened at one of the shows and he told my mom he wanted to quit. And so he quit, never did it again. Nice. Um, but he uh, was not uh, a sports kind of guy. He was very artistic. He loved to draw and paint and write stories, not like poetry, but just stories. Um, mm -hmm. He was a very, very talented artist. I mean, insanely talented. He did wow. art classes. He taught himself to play the guitar and was very good at it. He taught himself to play the drums and was also very good at it. And my parents were not musically inclined, so we don't know where that came from. Um, but he was just a very talented guy and loved uh, all things nerdy, you know, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, uh, I think he was into Doctor Who for a time. You know, he was really into the nerd stuff, anime. Yeah, um, Harry Potter. Harry Potter, anime, uh, the Transformers, Gundam Wing, comic, all that stuff. Okay. All right. He was. That's those are interests, hobbies, and yeah. so in like in high school, he wasn't into sports, but. He played music, and we're going to get into it, uh, I think, a little bit later about a band and, and some other things. <laughs> but in high school, was he in the band? Was uh, what, what did he do there? We were, we were actually homeschooled, all of us, our whole wow. entire life. Oh, okay. Um, Jace had gone to public school, and so did Tabitha for a very, very short period of time. Um, Jace uh, had severe asthma, severe asthma and allergies, and was like super allergic to the chalk that was used on the chalkboards and he was a very helpful child and always wanted to help clean the chalkboards and every time he would end up in the hospital and after a while my parents just decided it would be best to pull him out and just teach him from home and by the time my other brother and I Cedric got of school age they had been doing it for so long they're like oh we'll just do it for all of them but um we were homeschooled our whole entire lives wow. but we we're not super sheltered, you know, we were around people in our neighborhood and we went to church and had friends and um, he, he, like I said, he was not athletic, but in high school, he was very popular at our local high school because um, he had friends that went yeah. to the high school and that were in our neighborhood. Very well known. He went to all the football games. He, everybody loved him. They knew him as the guy that smelled really good with pretty eyes. <laughs> okay all right okay i'll have to remember that okay all right so popular guy um outgoing personality 
making friends with people, even though he wasn't going to school with them. Uh, what about work? Uh, we maybe move up teen years into his 20s. Uh, what kind of jobs did he have? How did he make any money? Did he continue to live at home in his 20s? What can you say about all that? He, um, he's actually started working around, I think, 15. Uh, his first job, if I remember correctly, was at Chick-fil-A. Um, and I don't think he lasted very long there because he he was deathly allergic to peanuts and peanut oil. Put their food in peanut oil. And after having a severe asthma attack, he they decided he was kind of a liability. Yeah. And he decided he was a liability, so he kind of left. Um, then he got a job working at another restaurant um, when he was about 16. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't exist anymore. It was a little local restaurant. And he worked there for about a year. So he waited tables and the busboy there and really enjoyed it. He made pretty good money for a, a teenager, but, you know, waiting tables because he was funny and charismatic and charming. And I mean, he could talk. He could sit, talk to anybody. He made friends anywhere he went. So, um, he did that for a while. And, uh, I remember later in his twenties, he had jobs at Sam's club, um, Walmart. Yeah. Had, he said he had a various jobs as he got older, it went more from working with the public to going into like warehouses and working, um, at like the Walmart distribution center or places like that. Okay. All right. And uh, any, uh, being that we know he was into his 30s before he went missing, did he have any children at all? Yeah, he has two daughters. Wow. Okay. Well, maybe we talk a little bit about that. You don't have to maybe mention their names if they're young, but maybe just a little, you know, again, and I give the audience a little idea about that. Yeah. So um, my oldest, 12, she'll be 13 in April. Um, and then my youngest niece just turned five in September. Uh, at least for his children. Uh, so they they have two different mothers, uh, but he loved his children. He was a lot more active in his youngest daughter's life for the first few years than his oldest daughter. Um, and that is by no fault of theirs or their mother's. It was just, Jace was not um, sober. He okay. was kind of making some not very good choices um, at the time and um, really not putting them first and right. in a way of protecting them, they did what mothers have to do right. and he wasn't really allowed to see them. Um, but he, he loved, loved his kids. He did. Okay. All right. So these, so these mothers saw the situation that he had put himself into and we're going to get into that in a bit. So they thought it's best to keep their daughters away from him during this time. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, gotcha. All right. All right. And were these women uh, like from high school friends or do you meet them just working just around town or? Um, my oldest niece's mother, I don't know how they met. I was uh, 13 when they okay. met and I don't, I have no clue. Um, mm. I know that they had like a year or so age gap they dated for a while and then became pregnant and um it was a big shock in my family um yeah. not just because you know they weren't he wasn't married he was young he was 20 but um because our our dad had actually been diagnosed with liver cancer that year um so the year that he 
had gotten this young lady pregnant was the year that our dad was um, slowly dying. So it was a lot of emotions. Like we had levels of excitement and then levels of sadness. So it it was a lot. Um, But ultimately, whenever she was born, it was a very, very happy day. And so um, then as the other one, she, I think they worked together. Okay. I think, or a mutual friend that worked with him, if I remember correctly, I could be totally wrong. Um, but they dated for quite some time before she'd gotten pregnant. They were together for I think two years or a year before she'd fallen pregnant with my second niece. Okay. So, all right, and just at the time of his disappearance was he being allowed to see his kids or or not the way you remember it um no he hadn't served them in a few years um my youngest niece i believe she was a year or so um the last time he had seen her wow. and then my oldest niece i think the last time he saw her she was seven okay do you be I of course we know he's uh missing. Uh does your family have any interaction with the women and those children now? Yeah, we um although Jace wasn't allowed to see them, they mm-hmm. never really withheld either of them from oh. us. Um his Well that's good. His second daughter, we had kind of lost contact for her own personal reasons that are hers and hers alone that I won't delve into, but she mm-hmm. um felt it was necessary to kind of remove herself from some things for a while. So we didn't have phone numbers or anything to get in contact. I actually just got back in contact with her a few months ago. Um, And we chat every now and again. She sends me pictures of my niece. My oldest niece lives uh, where I do in Memphis. Um, She lives about 30 minutes away from me and she was at my wedding last month. So- Wow. Yeah. Well, that's great. All right. So- uh, that's good though. You know, of course, as you know, sometimes when people are falling out like that, the women take the kids and nobody can see them and everything. I'm glad that's not how this is going. All right. Yeah. So that, that, okay. That makes me feel good. Okay. Let's move on, uh, to this. We're going to talk about, of course, eventually about the woman that was in Jace's, uh, lifetime of his disappearance, but you've already kind of touched upon the next uh, topic and that was, um, is mental health. Um, what do you remember? He struggled with it. Do you remember first realizing this? Were you old enough to even realize that? What could you tell the listeners about the struggle that he had and how it would um, show itself in his personality? Oh, God. Um, I remember Jace had very erratic behavior from a really young age. Um, I would say maybe as young as six or seven, because, uh, you know, we did have a pretty so he was significantly older than me mm-hmm. um but I just remember him being um very up and down and not understanding why he was so up and down and um then as he got older you know puberty kind of hits you like a freight train you know it testosterone's everywhere estrogen's everywhere so he's up and down a lot more um he would have outbursts and um just 
all of a sudden just like yelling at my mom or slamming doors or stomping stairs or, you know, walking out the house and walking down the streets. She just didn't want to be around any of us anymore. Uh, and then as we got older and we weren't around him anymore, like as much because he had moved out. Um, I was like, okay, you know, I only see you on holidays. I don't know what your life is like for all I know. You don't have those outbursts anymore. And it was just a teenage thing. Who knows? And then at one point I was about 18, I believe. And he'd moved back in with my mom, my brother and I, and, uh, he's still continued to have those outbursts and be very up and down, very erratic, um, nonsensical behavior honestly like some of the things he'd say or do just didn't really make any sense I can't even pinpoint them because they were so frequent uh but some I kind of look at my mom and be like what and so it was all over the place um he'd go from being totally fine to being you know very angry or accusing you of something um so, you know, you could be having a normal conversation with him and be laughing and joking. And then you'd say something and he'd be like, well, why would you say that? Why did you say something like that? That was so mean. That was so rude. And, or, you know, into it. And there was nothing to read into. He was like the king of that. Always like reading into something that somebody was saying and making like a mountain out of a mole. Okay. So it's pretty erratic. Okay. Uh, in those maybe moments of uh, maybe the moments when he did have some clarity, did you or somebody you know who you trust, who tr he trusted or he trusted, uh, ever try to talk to him about that? Did Could he ever explain why he did that? Like, once again, in those moments where it's kind of seemed like he was right there in the middle or not? Uh, we all kind of talked to him about it. Um, my mom tried. I tried. My brother tried. My sister, my grandparents, we all kind of tried. Um, and he, when he, the way he would describe it was like his brain would get jumbled up and it was like, a like you shook up a soda, like a soda can, yeah. and then you just rip the lid off and it explodes everywhere. That's how he kind of explained it in his own head. Or that's at least how he explained it to me. Okay. Um, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Um, but when we would ever suggest, you know, well, why don't we go talk to somebody about it? You know, why don't we go see a doctor? You know, I'll go with you. And he would just write it off. Absolutely not. He's not going to go see a therapist. He's not going to go see a psychologist. He's not going to go see a doctor. No way. Okay. Did he ever do that And before he disappeared? Did he ever uh, go on any sort of medication? Do you ever see a psychiatrist, anything like that before he went missing? He did. He, um ex-girlfriend was pregnant with his youngest daughter he had attempted suicide with ibuprofen and uh didn't work but they because it was a suicide attempt they committed him and after the 72, 72 hour psych hold um they decided that they needed to hold him for a little bit longer and he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and put on medication. I know for about a year, they tried multiple different medications to try to get a, a cocktail of yeah. drugs for him that would work because some of it would work, but then it wouldn't, or it would work. And one, the anxiety medication wouldn't mix with the bipolar medication well, 
or something making him more paranoid or it would make him depressed um, and really suicidal. So he did eventually go see a psychiatrist and get on Medicaid. Okay. And how was he handling that at the time of his disappearance? Um, not well. He, it had been about, God, two years or so since diagnosis, if mm-hmm. give or take a little bit. And he just always viewed it as like a huge negativity. Uh, it was a yeah. huge burden. It, he, he let it consume him instead of learning to live with it and deal with it and just progress in life. He really let it weigh him down um, and kind of torment him in a way because he viewed himself as like broken or messed up, even though that's not the case. Um, and, And he didn't like the fact that he had to take medication to feel or function like a normal human being, quote. Uh, he didn't, he didn't like that he had to quote unquote rely on drugs to feel okay. He he wanted to just live his life and not have to take all these medications. But uh, unfortunately, when you are diagnosed with bipolar disorder, nine times out of 10, you do have to take some kind of medication. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And what you're talking about there, these are topics that we've covered many times on this podcast. A lot of the same thinkings, you know, a lot of the same, you know, things, you know, a lot of the same things, you know, people not wanting to take their medication, uh, et cetera. Okay. So move on to this. Now, unfortunately, on top of that, he had also an addiction. Uh, hum won't stay on this too long, but we have to talk about it. Uh, what was the addiction to? How long had it gone? Uh, how did it happen? Um, I know that he dabbled with cocaine for a time um, and crack and uh, methamphetamines for a while. I know at one point he dabbled in bath salts. Um, I'm not entirely sure what bath salts are made up of, but I know it is an addictive substance and he did do that. Um, So he kind of had a array of, things that he would go to if one was too expensive at the time or if he couldn't find it um, that still gave him a similar high. He was very much into uppers and not downers. Never any heroin, never any, you know, Xanax or anything like that. He wasn't really into downers. He very much an upper kind of guy, which come to find out definitely aided in the whole bipolar disorder thing. Um, a lot of people that have bipolar disorder self-medicate with street drugs, uh, especially if it's undiagnosed, because when they take those drugs, it makes them feel normal and balanced. Um, at least that's just what I've been taught and told by different psychiatrists. Um, so, yeah, those were the things that he dabbled in. And uh, my parents didn't really like him to be around us at that point in time because right, we were still- very young we were still minors when he started going into that so I didn't even realize what he was doing until I was about 13 or 14. Okay and the status of your as far as you can tell what was the status of this addiction at the time of his disappearance? Uh, From what I know he was 
sober and he had been sober for about a year and a half, if not two years at the time okay. of his decision. Okay, great. All right, let's move on to this. Uh, now we will talk about the woman who was in his life at the time of his disappearance. Her name is Elizabeth. Um, what do you know about the relationship? How did they meet? Uh, I understand that she was a little bit older than he was. Uh, by my calculations, it was about seven years. Um, uh, were they living together? What can you say about this relationship? How long they were together? All of that. Um, they, I believe they'd met at a local heavy metal show, hmm. um, area somewhere in New Orleans or Metairie or Kenner. Um, and they hadn't been together too long. Um, I believe they'd met sometime in September. Um, so I would say maybe six or seven months or so if okay. not less, uh, by the time he disappeared. So they, had, they hadn't been together too terribly long, but they were living together. I know they'd met, it was very whirlwind. They'd met and they liked each other. And so he moved in. <laughs> okay. All right. And yes, uh, she was a little bit older. And in fact, uh, they were living together. And then she had a son who was also living with them. Yes, sir. They had uh, he had, no, I'm so sorry. She had a son who was about 15, I think at the time, 15 or 16. Okay. Uh, what were everybody, what was everybody's impression of their relationship? Did the two get along? Was it, uh, you know, an on again, off again relationship? Was it volatile? Uh, what can you say about uh, their relationship? Um, I had myself and my family around them twice uh he brought her to thanksgiving christmas and i believe that was it i don't think my mom saw him again after christmas from being mm -hmm. busy everybody working um you know recovering from the holidays <laughs> um yeah but uh from what we had seen they got along really well and they really liked each other uh they really cared for each other um so from what we they seem to have a pretty good pretty healthy decent relationship um and then later on after his disappearance we had asked around and everybody pretty much said the same thing that uh at least on the surface and in public they yeah. were a very nice very cute couple that huh. they seemed to get along very well Okay. All right. And we know, of course, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but uh, the impression was that the two of them made a decent couple, got along, they're living together. And I guess the anticipation is that if um, maybe he hadn't gone missing, maybe they would even be a couple to this day. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. And um, all right. So we have that. All right, so we'll come back to that uh, because uh, she was uh, at least one of the last people to see Jace before he went missing. Now, you did mention uh, the suicide attempt. You mentioned that it was with ibuprofen. Uh, how would you characterize it? Did everybody at the time think this was actually something serious in which he was trying to kill himself? Or was this more along the lines of he was just like a cry for help? And maybe you also need to include in there, uh, when did this happen? Um, this happened 
in, oh my God. June, the summer of 2017, I think. I think right. it was summer in, um, God, yeah, I think it was summer of 2017. I'm so sorry. That's all right. That's, that's good enough. I, I guess what we're trying to establish, it was well before he went missing. I, I guess approximately two and a half years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. So I, at the time, I remember getting the phone call and just being told that he'd attempted suicide, what hospital he was at, and that we needed to get there immediately. The person I was dating at the time and I, I mean, it was probably about midnight. So it was late. We were trying to go to bed. Um, we jumped in the car, drove to the hospital. We're like, what the hell is going on? Um, and then as we're there, we eventually find out that he had taken ibuprofen, um, which then kind of changed my opinion on if this was an actual suicide attempt or a cry for help or an ploy for attention. Um, I came to the conclusion that uh, I was not trying to dismiss his feelings nor the possibility of him being suicidal, but I felt like it was more of a cry for help of a, I'm suicidal and clearly I will take action and, you know, take my life if somebody doesn't do something and somebody doesn't do something now. Um, it, I don't think it helped that uh, the his girlfriend at the time was pregnant with his youngest daughter and you know, things were that great for them at the time within their relationship. And then financially, I know they had a lot of strains on their relationship at the time. And I think he was just desperate. Okay. All right. And so he did this and of course, uh, recovered fully. He can, uh, continue to be around for the next Two and a half years was somebody there, like when this happened, or did like somebody come home and encounter this, or what was the situation? Uh, if I remember correctly, um, his, the girl he was staying at the time was working at a restaurant, and the restaurant didn't close until about ten ten thirty, so she wouldn't get home until about midnight. But he'd called her somewhere around eleven and said, "I just took a bunch of pills." blah 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 i want to die so her in a panic um jumped in the car drove home and was like what the hell is going rushed him to the hospital called us you know in a and she was about seven seven and a half months pregnant <laughs> so she's freaking out she's trying yeah. not to go into preterm labor right. she's on a stretcher you know, it was definitely not ideal. Um, but she she was the one that kind of found him and then reached out to my mom and myself. Okay. All right. So he actually did this and then called her. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, that's kind of what also changed my perspective on it is that, you know, Typically, if someone tries to kill themselves, they don't call somebody and say, hey, true. That I just attempted true. <laughs> Right. And I'm sure ibuprofen, what is it? Is that Advil? Is that Tylenol? Is that Excedrin? Yeah. 
it's what's the brand name one that I can't remember, but I'm sure taking enough of them is uh, very dangerous, but it's not like uh, taking a bunch of Valium or, you know, something yeah. like that. It's certainly different than that. Or From mixing I... some other different drugs that are legal together, which, of course, can be also very dangerous. Right. From what I've been told that if you take a whole bottle of ibuprofen, you're going to get very sick. Like, mm -hmm. it's not going to be fun. It's going, yeah. you're going to, and it more or less destroys your kidneys and, like, the lining of your stomach than it does anything else. So usually when someone tries do that and they take a lot of uh, ibuprofen or acetaminophen it causes them gastrointestinal issues later on in life at some point rather okay. than taking okay thank you for uh, thank you for explaining that i did not know that to your knowledge is that the only time uh that he ever uh, did something like that to my knowledge yes now okay. if there in an instance between him and the mother of his youngest child that I'm not privy to. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah. So it has never been disclosed to me, but that is the, at least the last one that I know of where he was hospitalized. Okay. All right. Let's move on to this now. Now, overall though, going into the beginning of 2020, which uh, he disappeared early in that year, how would you say that your family, including yourself, uh, how are you all feeling about Jace overall, Chris's mental health, this new relationship, he's living with her overall? How are you feeling? What, did he have a job? What was he doing there? How was everybody feeling about Jace uh, in the beginning of 2020? Um, all of us were actually really good. Uh, the last time we had all seen him was Christmas mm -hmm. and he looked happy. He looked healthy. He'd put on uh, some weight, like healthy weight. Yeah. Um, his skin was flush. He was very jovial. He seemed very lighthearted. Um, so we were all feeling really good. Like he was finally, finally in a good place, like mentally, emotionally, physically. You know, he was finally in a really good place. And we were all really happy for him and really excited that, uh, you know, he'd gotten there and yeah. was, you know, doing right by himself for right. once, taking care of himself. And he was working. He had two jobs. He worked at a local grocery store, um, the name of which I do not remember. Mm -hmm. And he was working at Winn-Dixie, another okay. local grocery store. All right. So he was holding down two jobs. He has this new relationship. It seems to be going pretty well. And uh, so, yeah, compared to just a few years before that, of course, he had an addiction. And did it seem to you, to your family then with his mental health issues that he was taking his medicine like he should? Yes, it seemed as though that they had finally gotten a good cocktail for him and that uh, whatever it was, was working for him and that um he was taking it consistently because he right. had had events in the past where he would take it for a few months or be like oh i'm better i'm good i'm yeah. gonna get off this stop taking it and uh, then you know revert back to where he was but it seemed as though he was consistently taking his medication all right so uh been through a lot jay's been through a lot addiction, mental health issues, 
um, not being able to see his daughters because of some of his prior problems and everything. But uh, I guess what I'm saying is in the beginning of 2020, it seemed like maybe that had been the best he had been in quite a few years overall. Yeah, absolutely. That is the best that he had been in a long time. He okay. was he was looking really good. Okay. Uh, how often would uh, you or any of your other siblings or your, I guess, um, your, your maybe your mother, your father died, correct? Okay. I, okay. So uh, your, your mother, how often was everybody talking to him? Uh, I guess you said maybe you hadn't seen him after, you didn't see him after Christmas, maybe last time, but talking to him, how often was he communicating with uh, your family? Um, so I hadn't seen him again after the holidays because I didn't live in the state anymore. You know, my family lived in at that point I'd moved up to Memphis, Tennessee and, um, all my family's down there. So I didn't see any of them. Um, but I know my mom and Jace were in contact pretty heavily. If not every day, then wow. maybe every, or every two days. My mom's pretty good about that. Like, I talk to my mom pretty often. <laughs> okay. So like if she doesn't text me today, she's definitely going to text me tomorrow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, so they talked pretty regular. Uh, not too sure how often Tabitha would talk. Um, Cedric and Jace would chat every now and again. I'd say maybe about a few times a month. Same thing with me. We would randomly call each other text each other hey miss you love you how you doing what you doing the last time that jace and i had any interaction uh, was on my birthday in january okay so like then about two weeks or longer before he went missing yeah and he seemed good he did he he texted me happy birthday and he told me that he, and that he missed me and he hoped he'd see me soon okay Let's move up now to February 11th, 2020, uh, which just coincidentally happens to be my niece uh, Ashley's birthday, February 11th. February 11th, 2020, let's just go over the official story uh, of that day. I'm not saying we have to believe it. I'm not saying we have to not believe it, but there is an official story like we cover for every disappearance. And um, we will just present it that way and then a little later we'll go back through and maybe get a little deeper into all of this but uh the story of course comes from elizabeth what did she have to say about that day into that night you can go through that right now um she was at work and it was jace it was a normal day for them um she was working at her family's restaurant in destrahan Louisiana and Jace was working at one of the grocery stores that day. I do not remember which. Um, and I believe he had the car that day. They shared her vehicle. He went and picked her up. And when her shift was over, they went home. Um, she said later on that evening, they had gotten into a disagreement over something that was found on his phone. Um, mm -hmm. He, she asked him to leave. He said, okay. Um, he packed a black backpack and a like industrial sized black trash bag. And as he was doing this, she said, you know what, Jace, it's getting pretty late. It's about 11 o'clock. Why don't you just stay, sleep on the couch and you just leave in the morning. And he said, no, Liz, you asked me to leave. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go ahead and go. Okay. Um, 
And so he packed up what he could, um, left, walked about a 25 to 30, 35 minute walk to the East Bank Bridge Park, um, where he supposedly stopped and sent her a text message that said, please forgive me. She checked the location, saw it was at the park, and then it went dead. And uh, we've never seen or heard from him again. Okay. How did she check uh, that location? What, what was the technical process of doing that? Um, I don't remember. I don't remember if they had iPhones. Because, um, you know, on iPhones, location with someone. Okay. Uh, and, like Google phones or Samsung phones also have a similar feature. I just don't know the ins and outs to it because I have an iPhone. Or if they had one of those, um, like, tracking apps. Like, okay. I have... I have Life 360 with my mom, so um, I'm not sure if uh, they had like a Life 360 type of thing going or if um, it was just something like an app featured on their phone. So, but I just know that she was able to check his location and see that that's where it had pinged. All right. And just so we can go through these locations, and I will be doing a map analysis video for this disappearance that will be on YouTube that will come out at the same time as this episode uh what was the uh the street where they were living and how far is this park away uh away from where they were living um the street was meadows pretty sure that's how you pronounce it or mond or mond meadows um and from what google maps said when i was there it was about a 10 minute drive give or take a little bit um and about a 25 to 30 minute walk, um, depending. There were a few other op- the ways that you could get around um, yep. that I know. But it was about a 25 to 30, maybe 35 minute walk, um, depending on which way you went or how fast you were walking, I guess. All right. Um, so pretty close. Yeah, it was Not relatively far. close. Short drive in a vehicle, but a little bit longer yeah. in a walk. Okay. All right. So they're at home. They have a disagreement about something that was on his phone, which we'll get into a little later. She asks him to leave, then changes her mind. He says, no, I'm going to leave. And so he left. And so this backpack and this bag that he had put together, both of them, he took both of those with him when he left? Yes, sir. Okay. So then he leaves. At some point, he texts about, um, please forgive me. She checks the location. And then... As far as she can tell, uh, the phone died shortly after that. She couldn't yeah. reach him after that. Okay. Just some questions for you. Uh, we talked about her son. Was her son there that night as well? Your understanding? Yes. All right. And the son's about, I think you told me, uh, mid-teens, like 14, 15, something like that, or yeah, early teens? 16. Okay. So he was there um to your knowledge after he went missing did anybody ever um say that uh this had happened before uh no this something like this had never happened before okay and uh was jace uh had jace ever gone to this park before uh was this common for him to go there just to hang out did he and elizabeth used to go down there and for a picnic any idea about how his familiarity with this? No, because um, from what it looked like to me, because I went to the park myself 
um, okay. uh, about three days after he had gone missing because that's when I was able to get down there to Louisiana. Um, it was like a baseball park. Like it wasn't your traditional park with a huge gym. There was a small jungle gym where you could go play, but it had like some baseball fields around it. So it was more or less like a baseball park. All right. So this uh, park is, a, it's kind of a park, but it's more like a baseball field type of area. Uh, not your traditional, I guess, city park, like you said, with like swing sets and jungle gyms and maybe yes. like a walking path and things like that. But we have to remember both these locations are very close to the Mississippi River. Yes. Okay. It's park um, right behind the levee. So like there's the park and then there's the levee right in front of it. Okay. And as far as Elizabeth, when he left, has she ever stated where he thought she thought he was going? Of course, he left on foot. Did they have two cars? Did they have one car? Did she ever, has she ever thought about, well, he took his stuff. Where was he going? Has she ever stated that? No, she didn't have the slightest clue of where he could have gone. Um, she said that she assumed that he would maybe try to reach out to my mom and uh, see if he could you know, get a ride if she'd come get him or anything like that. But um, she didn't have a, even a general idea of where he would have went. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. All I'm saying is usually, um, you know, when couples have fights and I've maybe, or disagreements, not fights with swinging or punching or anything, but I don't want to get into that. But we have arguments and maybe one... Um, goes to walk off blow off some steam or something of course they usually don't take luggage or backpacks or anything but when they do something like that usually the person who's left behind is thinking i wonder where that person's going and so she was just thinking he's going to walk down the road and call your mother or something yeah that's that's what he was saying because he didn't have a car um so he did okay. take off on a she had a vehicle um and they shared mm -hmm. that but okay. like he was just didn't have a car okay um when this happened when she discovered that the the phone maybe wasn't pinging that the way at least you explained it um did she get in her car and maybe try to drive around and go see where he was did she ever do that no sir okay let's move on uh of course that was february 11th we move into the next day maybe the next few days when does your family start to think that something is up uh, maybe even elizabeth thought maybe something was up if she didn't hear from him the next day when did everybody start going hmm something doesn't seem right here um so february 12th my mom texted me later on in the evening um i would say between 4 and 6 p.m asking if i had heard or spoke to jace mm -hmm. um I told her no, that I hadn't heard anything from him. Why? Like, it's kind of a weird question to send somebody. And yes. she said that she hadn't heard from him since the day before. I believe she said her between noon and like 2 p.m. That was the last time she'd spoken to him. And, um, and she hadn't heard from him since the day before. Um, and that when they did talk, things just didn't seem right. Hmm. 
and he just sounded a little off and she just wanted to know if he'd reached out to me or if I'd heard from him at all. I told her I would try texting him or calling him to see if he would answer my calls because she said he wasn't answering her phone calls or her text messages. So I said, okay, well, maybe he'll, I'm a sister. Maybe he'll respond to me. And, um, and she said, okay, well, you know, let me know what happens. Let me know if he says anything. I said, I will. And I tried to text him and I tried to call him and obviously never got a response or a call back. Okay. Did either, did your mother or you, maybe your mother first, did your mother in that time she was trying to uh, attempting to contact him at some point did you ever try to contact Elizabeth? No, I don't. I don't think any of us at the beginning. I don't think any of us thought it was like dire enough mm -hmm. um, to contact Elizabeth. Hey, can you tell Jace to call me? She might have said, hey, can you tell Jace to call me? And maybe Elizabeth didn't get the message or something along those lines. But I that I didn't have that thought. Like, at least for me, I never thought, okay, let me let me try to call Elizabeth or Elizabeth and see if she's heard from Jace because it's like, okay, he's living with her. You know, he's got to be home. And I was like, maybe yeah. his phone broke. That was my thought. Maybe his phone yeah. broke. Maybe dropped it and then and some water and now he can't access his phone numbers or anything like that was hot you know i didn't think anything serious or crazy but i just knew my mom was worried so you know yeah, being, I, yeah I guess what i'm saying is she was uh she seemed once again i wasn't there i'm just hearing what you're saying but it's obvious when your mother contacted you she was worried and i'm just thinking usually uh you know, people in that situation start thinking, well, who else could I contact in the area who might be able to help me with this problem? And I would think that Elizabeth would be the next person. But what you're saying is before she contacted you, it doesn't seem like she contact tried to think she even thought about contacting Elizabeth. No, I mean, like I said, uh, she possibly messaged Elizabeth, like sent her a message over Facebook and said, Hey, you know, you heard from Jace or anything like that. That could have been done. It wouldn't surprise me if it was. But to my recollection, I don't think she did. Just because, like, I, I know my mom, when she gets worried, she's not this, like, digger. Like, she doesn't, like, dig for information. She'll go to the people that, like, are close to the individual that she's worried about. Not necessarily the person who's close in proximity. Does that sure. make sense? Sure. Okay, just just asking. All right, just making sure, uh, just making sure we all understand that. Okay, and she said that said that Jay sounded off. Uh, are we to then to interpret this could be uh, maybe some of his uh, bipolar issue coming on, or maybe it was more just along a stress type of thing? How what would you think, knowing your mother the way you do? What do you think she meant by that? Um. What I interpreted that to mean, which she then confirmed, was mm. that he sounded manic. Okay. Um, he sounded like he was kind of at the beginning of his mania, um, which mm. when he's at, when he was at the beginning of his mania, um, it wasn't so bad, but you could tell in his voice there was like a shift. Like he just didn't sound like himself. Okay. Um, and so I think he was 
it was a mix of stress and his bipolar disorder. And I think it was just a conglomeration of things for him. Okay. Uh, and that's just how it seemed. Cause I remember asking my mom, what is off? Like, what does sounding off mean to you? Like, that's pretty vague. And she said it just seemed like he was kind of um, entering a manic episode, but at the very, very, very beginning. Okay. All right. So after that day, you talked to your mother. Of course, she tries contacting him. You try contacting him. Of course, he doesn't get back to either of you. Uh, the next few days after that, when does Elizabeth come into all of this? Do you end up contacting her or maybe she ends up contacting one of you you know uh you know uh, for this is just an example you know uh, jason and i had this fight a couple days ago argument uh, a few days ago and i haven't heard from him if you heard from him when did finally elizabeth get brought into this concern that jace is missing um elizabeth got brought in um i believe by my mom or maybe yeah. one of us, I'm sorry, some of it is very fuzzy because it's, right. you know, it's very chaotic. Um, yep. But one of, one of us messaged her, I think I did, and um, I think I messaged her on the 13th and asked her if she'd heard from Jace and she said no. And I said, okay, well, we're pretty concerned. I'm going to file a police report at your address. And I got her address. Hmm. All right. And she went along with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you had to contact her, even though the two of them were living together. Yes. Okay. And when you said that you hadn't heard, of course, once again, we're thinking maybe we don't know what's in her head, but your best guess was that she thought he was going to leave, call your mother. And so when you called, to talk to her, contacted her, and finally talked about Jace not being around, did she seem surprised? Um, I mean, she, I mean, once again, she's the one who's living with them. I'm not sure. I'm just asking for facts here. I'm not trying to look, we don't go after people. I'm just trying to understand that she's living with them. And then his own sister is saying, I don't know where he is. His own mother doesn't know where he is, but he's supposed to be with Elizabeth. So the people who are closest to Jace have no idea where he is. Did she sound concerned about that? I think she was more surprised that like, I didn't know where he was and that my mom didn't know where he was. Like yeah. he was surprised that he reached out to one of us mm -hmm. the night of, not necessarily, concerned though like okay. it was a concern until i was like okay well i just filed a police report because i've reached out because before i'd reached out to elizabeth i reached out to a lot of his friends um and contacted them to see if he'd called any of them or if he had spoken to anybody in the last you know 48 hours and everybody said no um and that's when i kind of decided that uh, calling the police would be a good idea. Um, okay. So, did you get the idea that any of those people you spoke to after you spoke to them that they contacted her? Hey, wondering, said, hey, wondering what's going on? No. Okay. All right. So, you filed a police report and 
they go, they start checking things out. What do they do? Uh, searches, what can we say about all of that? They search the park. Uh, that At the time, I didn't know that that was his last paying location. Mm -hmm. I did not get the story of Jace Lee until I was in the state of Louisiana. I didn't know any of that um, until several days later. Right. Um, so what you're saying, just to go back, just so we're clear on you. So even when you spoke to Elizabeth, she never did tell you that he walked off that night. No. Okay. All right. Please continue. Uh, so I didn't know any of that. And now that I think about it, I filed the missing persons report on February 13th. A, a search for him wasn't done until I was already back in Tennessee. Okay. So, for, so about four, four days, yeah. four, four days, three, four days before they'd actually gone and looked for him. Um, they did the, the vague things you do, like uh, call it hospitals, mm -hmm. um, call homeless shelters, um, those types of things, which we had already done. And obviously, you know, we can't access tons of information, but the police can get a little bit more than we can. So they did that. Yeah. Um, we told them the vicinity of which he was living at the time, gave the address and uh, they went and searched around that area. And I'm using searched very loosely because uh, they said that they just kind of drove around in their patrol cars. They didn't go like deep into the woods or anything. Um, mm -hmm. So they didn't do any kind of search party in several months later. Okay. Uh, now we have to remember uh, that uh, the Mississippi River is right there. Did they go out under the river? Did they take a boat out there? Just try to check around? Of course, this is several days later. The Mississippi River is wide. It's deep. It's fast. But did they go out there just to do as best they can? Uh, they didn't take any boats out. I know that for sure. My sister was there, as were some of our other family members. Um, they took out four, like, ATVs. Um, they went out on them on the levee. Um, because if no one knows what, like, a levee is, just like a mound of dirt. Mm -hmm. not, like, not like a steel bar or anything. Like a really big hill. Yeah. And so they're on it um so they went out on the levees were looking in the water they were looking throughout the smaller bayous in the area um because i mean it's louisiana it's swampland at the finest so they went throughout some of the like, quote local swamps and not some of the closer to like lake pontchartrain or even closer to within the Mississippi. Um, and they never really turned anything up. They didn't post out flyers. Didn't flyers. All flyers that have seen of Jace were made by my family. Okay. Did they go and look inside uh, the place that Elizabeth and Jace were, uh, where they were living? Did they look inside their apartment or house, wherever they were living? Did they check that out? They said they did and searched her apartment or her, sorry, I think it was like a townhouse. Um, <clears throat> searched her home and looked 
uh, in like the attic space. And I believe there's like a shed, like a small little like shed. And they went and searched that and they didn't find anything. Okay. So if you've spoken to the police, would they say that Elizabeth, in their opinion, did they believe that Elizabeth was forthcoming? Have they ever made a statement to you one way or the other? Uh, yeah, they they said they felt like um, her story was pretty believable, um, and okay. that it had. They said it. It seemed like it had too much detail to be fake. Um, okay. And I was like, okay, so that's just what they said. That's just what the police said. That's not, of course, you didn't talk to her. The police talked to her, and then they told you this. Yeah. All and right, so that's other, your source for this. Other than getting, like, the story of what happened that night, they've never questioned her. Like, deeply questioned her. Okay. Um, so. All right, well, they might have. You might just not know about it. But to your knowledge, they haven't done a, what we might call an interrogation of her. You, all they, all you know is they at least spoke to her about that night just in general terms. She says he left. She pinged like the story you've already told. And so that's why they went down to the park and looked at all that area. Mm -hmm. right, right? Okay. All right. So they do what they can. Search the park. Don't take a boat out into the river. But we have to remember she says that she said that he also took this uh, backpack he took this garbage bag with clothes in it. Of course, those things weren't found either, correct? Correct. Okay. Let's uh, move on. We're just going to call this the rest of the investigation. And being that uh, we're going to go back to something that Elizabeth uh, told you. And, of course, this phone is very important because to believe her, uh, it last pinged at this park. But probably the most important part is that the reason she left, she wanted him to leave because there was something on Jace's phone. Now, what's interesting about this is that to this day, at least to you, maybe she's told the police, but she hasn't told you or your, the rest of your family what was on it that caused her to want Jace to leave. Wanted her yes. To leave. I've asked her on multiple occasions. I asked her face-to-face. -face. Uh, I asked her uh, via Facebook, you know, and she just won't tell me. She, when I asked her face to face, she said that she just didn't want to talk about it and that she uh, didn't want to delve into it. And I said, okay. okay. So I, I should have pushed a little bit harder, but at the time I was 24 and I was a little panicked. Um, if I'm being honest, I, as I know some people are going to hear that and, say well i would have asked i would have pushed right. i would have done this no well, i mean what are you know, gonna I, do i mean what are you gonna do uh you know right. torture her or something i mean she's either going to tell you or she isn't i think right um i suppose there are maybe at least a, a couple maybe good reasons she wanted to tell you she wouldn't tell you but it is this was the cause of her wanting him to leave you'd think that she would want to explain that being that Jace is missing, but maybe not. But so, so to this day, you don't know uh, what was on the phone. Do you think even the police know what was on the phone? No, because have they, uh, have they ever said in so many words, you know what, we know what she told us what was on the phone, but we can't tell you. Has that ever happened? 
Okay. Moving on. Uh, records and pings. Anybody able to, of course, we know the story is that it last pinged at this park, but what about just general phone records, calls, texts? Do we know anything about any of that uh, that he might have, for example, this is just an example, that after he left Elizabeth or their place, that he might have called somebody or texted somebody besides Elizabeth? Um, do we know anything about any of that? Uh, no, sir, because they've never pulled any phone records. Um, his phone was never recovered. Not like we have the physical uh, item itself, but mm -hmm. they never any phone records. Um, they never got a warrant or even approached a judge for it. Um, so, no, we don't know if he ever contacted anybody else. Okay. Now, I did read somewhere. Uh, maybe in the information that my assistant Emily, when she first spoke to you, she gave it to me, is that uh, Elizabeth actually kept paying the bill or something for a while, a few months, six months or something. Is that true? It is true. She did continue to pay um, for Jace's phone. Um, I don't know, probably until sometime in the summer okay. uh she said it was just in case it ever turned on again um yeah. and my mom even offered to pay it and give her money to never disconnect the phone line mm -hmm. um and the way we found out that the phone line was disconnected was um i had texted him happy birthday last year um, I texted him happy birthday and somebody back and it scared me because his name popped up on my phone and I was like oh my god oh my god did he turn his phone on and um, oh, wow. they they'd uh, responded and said who is this and I responded and I said I'm so sorry I know that the phone uh number was given to some but this is my missing brother's phone number and i just wow. wanted to in case he ever saw it again wow so okay so we then to understand that elizabeth and jace had a joint account or something yeah she had added him to her phone plan or whatever phone carrier she'd had at the okay. time. Um, if if she had gotten to a point like financially where she couldn't afford to pay for his half of the phone, my mom and myself were more than willing to uh, pay the bill for her to keep okay. his phone. All right. So I guess what we're also saying is being that they had a joint account, they could access each other's records. Yes. She could see who he called and text. He could see who she called and text, texted, right? And right, correct. Yeah. All right. And so I guess what we're saying is that she has never told any people and anybody in your family. Well, you know what? After he left our place that night, he texted John Smith or he called Jane Doe. She's never said anything like that. No. Okay. All right. Um, so I don't know. Um, some, you know, keeping a phone working for five or six months. 
that's kind of unusual. Usually people just let the phones, you know, let the bills run out for the next month. So uh, I'd say that's fairly unusual. But yes, it's certainly uh, maybe she should have let you know that uh, she wasn't going to continue paying on the bill anymore, surely. Okay, let's move on to this. Being that uh, the story is that he went down to this park, you've already explained how far it is away. We have to remember it was the evening, uh, so it would have been dark. Any witnesses ever come forward to say, I saw Jace walking, running, getting a ride uh, down to the park anywhere else that night? Any witnesses at all? No, sir. No. Zero. None. Uh, would you say that that area, of course, these are baseball fields, uh, so I don't know how busy they're going to be in February, but do we even have an idea of how busy that area would have been between where they were living in that park that time of the night, that time of the evening? Any uh, idea? I, I'm not too sure about the actual park within itself, how busy it is, or, you know, I mean, people go in and out of parks all the time but i know that the road was pretty busy because it was kind of on a main road in and out of that area uh you couldn't really get to that area without getting on that road um not to my knowledge anyway i could be totally wrong i don't know um but from my knowledge it was on pretty much a main road it was around um a lot of subdivisions and uh neighborhoods so it's very well populated and it's not like dark or dimly lit. Like there's street lights, there's, you know, gas station lights, there's those huge like floodlights out there. So mm-hmm. it's not like it was pitch black and nobody could see him if he was standing right there. Okay. But no witnesses, nobody ever came forward, at least to your knowledge, maybe the police went knocking door to door, door to door, and nobody said they saw anything. No, sir. Okay. About the Mississippi River, uh, not only is the river there, but there is a bridge that goes across the uh, the Mississippi right where that park is. And uh, you'll see that one uh, for anybody that wants to watch the map analysis video. But I'd brought up, you know, uh, is it possible that he could have got, if he was feeling suicidal, could he have got out on the bridge? And the police kind of dismissed that idea. Why don't you just talk about that? Yeah, the police kind of dismissed that um, because, I mean, I'm just going to be super honest. I didn't do my own inspection of the bridge or that area. Um, So I just kind of took their word for it, go back out and double check. But they said it would be kind of hard to jump off of that bridge um, because the bridge is very uh, frequently traveled. It's there's very rarely never a car on that bridge um and people would call constantly if they saw a person on the bridge to say hey there's someone walking north or south on this bridge um you know this is what they're wearing this is what they look like blah 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 and then they would go pick that person up in case they were someone who is attempting to kill themselves um and then apparently there's something under the bridge that kind of like juts out for boats Hmm. um i mean there's uh tons of boats oil oil rigs all that stuff all in that area and they travel up that area and go throughout the mississippi um so they said that if you did try to jump like you probably wouldn't make it to the water (laughs) okay 
Okay. And uh, so what you're also saying about this bridge, there, there is not a like a sidewalk on it. It's for cars only and pedestrians are not supposed to walk across it. No. I mean, there's a there's a shoulder on the bridge, but even then, it's not like a wide shoulder. So if you were to be driving on the bridge and you're speeding and you get pulled over, it's really not even safe to pull over on that shoulder of the bridge because you or the cop are liable to get hit or you can't even open your door to get out. You know, somebody killed, somebody's door would get taken off. So it's, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty tight. Okay. All right. So I guess conceivably, of course, being that it's pavement, somebody could walk across the bridge, but it's not meant for that. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, just when everybody thinks they've maybe heard there is as much as there is to know about this disappearance, uh, we get to ca- talk about this guy, Joshua Cook. Who is he? Um, he was a friend of Jace's. They were in a band together for several years. Um, and they were, they were pretty decent friends. Okay. And so how long would you say the two knew each other at the time of Jace's disappearance? Maybe five, five years. Five years. Okay. And they were in a band together? Yes, sir. They were in a heavy metal band together. <laughs> okay. I'm into heavy metal, so that's not all bad. Um, but they had a little bit of a falling out due to this, your understanding? Yes, sir. From what I know, they had a falling out. One of them wanted the band to go one direction. I'm not sure if it was musically or lyrically or whatever but they wanted the band to go one direction or wanted to switch spots. So like one was a singer and one was a guitarist and they wanted to switch something along those lines and they had a falling out and it blew up and became much more than I want to sing and I want you to play the guitar type of deal. And it just exploded into something else entirely and they really didn't talk anymore. Okay. Did it ever get violent? Any fights? Any uh, anything like that? Um, I I feel like I feel like there had been physical altercations at some point. Maybe maybe while intoxicated. Um, okay. Okay. But I cannot totally confirm that. Like I can't say with absolute fact uh, that that is something that happened. But I I, I feel like it is something that did but i just can't confirm it okay any idea before the date of jace's disappearance that the two might have talked anybody have any ideas regarding any of that no sir okay now you spoke to him after the disappearance in fact not too long uh maybe a few days maybe a couple weeks after the disappearance in february of 2020 he called you he did. He did. Um, okay. And what did you two talk about? Um, Jace, uh, him being gone and being missing. He he said, you know, what's going on, Dad? I said, I don't know. I don't know where he is. 
do you know? Have you spoken to him? And he's like, no, I haven't spoken to him. If I had effing spoken to him, I wouldn't be calling you right now. And I was like, okay, yeah, touche, fair point. And um, then as the conversation went on, he just kept saying that that's my effing brother, man. That's my effing brother. I love that guy. And I just, I'm pissed at him. I'm so angry. Like, how could you do this? How could you just disappear? You have kids, you have a family, you have a mom. And, and I'm worried. He said, I swear to God, if he, if he's hiding somewhere, I'm going to hug him and then I'm going to knock him in the jaw because what the F? dude just what the f over and over and over again and you know he uh he seemed genuine Mm -hmm. um and then after that initial conversation he had spoken with my mom a few more times whether over like facebook messenger or over the phone okay When he spoke to you or your mother, did he ever state how he found out about Jason's disappearance? Um, no, I think he really delved into that. Uh, but I do know that at that point he had put, made tons and tons of posts on Facebook and, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend who knew that person yeah. shared it. Um, okay. Cause I mean, people that I hadn't talked to since grade school were contacting me, okay. you know, it, All right, it so it's conceivable goes- that just through the grapevine, you tell two friends, you tell two friends on and on. That's how it eventually got to Joshua. Yeah. All right. But that's not, he didn't say that though. He didn't say like, Hey, I just saw on Facebook that Jace is missing. That's just an example. He didn't say anything like that the way you remember it. No, he didn't say, you know, Oh, I saw on Facebook or anything mm-hmm. like that. Just said, you know, what's up with Jake? Okay. There was no, oh, I heard from Billy Bob that mm-hmm. Jace is missing. What's going on? It was, hey, what's going on with Jace? What's all this? Okay. Did he ever at any time seem to know any of the details of Jace's disappearance? For example, did he ever bring up Elizabeth? Or him walking off with the bag and the backpack? Did he mention the park? Anything like that? Any details in he voluntarily saying anything about the disappearance? No. Okay, so no details. Just being concerned. Uh, and would you say that the way you knew Josh, uh, Joshua, that he was just acting like himself? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know too much uh, about him or like how he acted because I mean he's older than me uh by god maybe seven or eight years so he's around Jace's age um I didn't have a whole lot of um interaction with him if anything Jace told me on multiple occasions to stay away from him um okay he told me on multiple occasions um if you ever see him in public walk the opposite direction because i'd met him on multiple occasions but he told me several times if you see him in public walk the other way don't talk to him don't ever give him your number don't ever interact with him um and when i would ask why he would say tori just trust me please please just trust me I'm not just telling you this to tell you this, like, 
please. I'm just begging you to trust me. Okay. And you listened to him. I did. I did. Uh, That day that he'd called me, that Josh had called me, that was the first and really last time I'd ever spoken to him. Okay. I'm wondering how he had your phone number. He had actually called me on Facebook Messenger. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah, he had uh, figured, you know, our last name's fairly common, Mm. uh, Martin. And he'd met me, so he knew what I looked like. Um, so he was able to track me down on Facebook and uh, call me over Facebook Messenger. Okay. All right. So you have this conversation with him in February, and uh, the, the audience were surely going to get to why he's being brought up. But the thing is, in March of 2020, he died, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, I realize you are not an expert on his death, but what you've told me is that it maybe is at least a bit suspicious. Why don't you just tell the audience what you told me, what you think you know about it? Yeah. So from what I know, um, sometime in March, I can't give you an exact date because I don't know it, but uh, Josh was found uh, dead with gunshot wound. And he, um, it seemed as though he had taken his own life. It seemed suicide, but after some digging and some investigation, uh, the police, uh, have, I have a family member who was on that, uh, police team. And he said that it just didn't seem like your normal suicide, uh, especially with a gun, like, the position of which his body was found or the position of the gun. Um, it was all just not right with a gun suicide. Okay. I think you told me that when he was found that the gun wasn't in his hand and that the, the, I guess he shot himself in the side of the head, the, the, the side that he had shot himself that was actually on the ground and for all the obviously audio people can't see me doing this but the side in which he shot it the, the where the bullet went in was actually on the on the floor or something instead of pointed like toward the ceiling yeah if if i correctly something along those lines and the gun wasn't in his hand it was uh actually a good ways away not like several feet away but it was not within uh, reaching distance and he was found in the fetal position which is not common amongst uh, those types of suicides um, the only time that people are usually found in like the fetal position in a suicide is if you know they've slit the, their wrists and purposefully laid that way themselves or taken pills or drank themselves to death and they laid there that way um, but with a gun no you're yeah there's a oil you know all right to your knowledge then do you think and we'll get to the next part of this but then your understanding regarding uh joshua's death is that as of now of course two and a half years later let's just say a little over that um that it's just been re-ruled a suspicious death it hasn't been certified stamped sealed and delivered as a suicide your understanding yeah, from what I know, I mean, it's definitely liable to have uh, changed over the course of the years. Uh, there may have been information that 
has come out that I'm not privy to that did say, yes, it was definitive a suicide. We just looked at it wrong or no, it's suspicious, blah, blah, blah. But from what I knew at the time, uh, they were looking at it suspiciously. Okay. Um, let's move on to this. Uh, maybe I should ask you this. Did Joshua have maybe a history like Jay's did of any mental health issues, addiction issues, things like that? Yeah, from what I know he did, um, I know that he had dealt with a lot of mental health issues, substance abuse. Uh, and I know several years prior, he had tried to take his own life uh, before. I just, I don't remember the method of which he tried to do that um, the first time. He was obviously unsuccessful at that time, but yeah. Okay. Now, I think uh, once again in my notes uh, that uh, it was said that Josh Joshua was a devil worshiper. Yeah, he was a known Luciferian. Um, I I don't know exactly what all that entails because I haven't delved into that uh, religious mm -hmm. practice. Um, I don't. I don't know if I'd use the term devil worshiper because I don't want to offend anybody, <laughs> but I just know that Luciferianism is uh, very different from being a satanic individual. Like they have similar components. Yeah. I religion. got you. We're not, we're not, this isn't a religious yeah. podcast, but all we're saying yeah. is that uh, for all the, the Jesus God people, he was maybe like the opposite of that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The, all I'm, and the reason I'm asking is because just to try to set this up, that when he was found uh, deceased, he actually had a Bible in his hand. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And there were some names in them. Yes, there were six right. names. Okay. And uh, did it seem, once again, I realize you weren't there, but what you've been told, uh, they were written in there by him. They were like handwritten, like people's names. Yes. And did those people get investigated for possibly being responsible for Joshua's death? Um, I, from what I know, they, some of the names were not full names. Some of them were either first names or last names. So instead of it saying John Doe, it would say like just John or just Doe. It okay. wouldn't have a full name. Um, I don't know why I don't have the slightest clue as to why that was done, but I know that the people that they were able to track down by, you know, having like a unique last name, mm -hmm. um, something that's not common, like Martin or Smith, um, those that had like a, a unique last name, they were able to track them down and speak with them, um, I don't think anything ever came of it, but there are some that they just don't have any more information to, because if it's just a first name, you know, yeah, it, there's thousands and millions of Johns in right. the world. So right. there's only thing you can do. Right. Now, the reason we're bringing, uh, we're still not have revealed to the audience why we've brought Joshua's name up, but he died not long after Jace went missing. He died at what is being just labeled a suspicious death. Maybe it's a suicide, maybe not. 
Um, we have these this Bible, even though he was not a Christian, he had a Bible in his hand when he died. There was these names in it. Of course, the names were in there. It doesn't mean they were written in there right before he, he died. They could have been in there for years. We just don't know. But the reason we're setting this all up so everybody can understand who Joshua is is because he actually sent a text to his father before he died. And what did that text say? Um, the text said something along the lines of, um, I was there when it happened. I was there with Jace. Uh, he, he was zip tied. We dumped him in a swamp and they'll never find his body. He texted that to his father. Yes. Okay. Um, when did you, do you know when that text happened? Was it close to right after the disappearance or was it closer to before, uh, Joshua died. I believe it was, I believe it was closer to when he died. Um, because if he, he died sometime in, I think mid March okay. and I think about a few days, uh, ahead of time. So maybe four days, five is at the most. Okay. When his father, your understanding, when his father got this text, did he turn it into a police uh, what did his father do with it? Um, dad held on to it for about two months. Um, didn't How go long? to the police. How long? Two months. Two months. So even after his son dies, his father, who I understand is a preacher, correct? Yes. He hangs on to that for two months after. So he holds on to that text until May even though it seems to reveal our reason for Jace's disappearance. Yeah. Okay. Has, has Joshua's father ever given an explanation for that to your knowledge? Why he would do that? Um, he told the police cause he turned it into, um, I believe the detective on Jace's case, like he personally contacted our detectives. Um, and, when the detective on our case questioned him and said, you know, I see the date time stamped on here. Why did you wait so long? He said, well, he didn't want his son to potentially be perceived murderer. Well, the thing is though, I, I, once again, I realize you're not there, Victoria. You're just saying what people said, but um, we have to maybe talk about, well, he, he did turn it in eventually anyway. I mean, he could have just, you know, could have just, you know, erased it, I guess. What was yeah. it after two? I mean, his son's already dead for a couple months. What finally got to him? His conscience or, or what? Any idea at all? I, I would, um, I would like to thank his conscience. Um, I, I feel like, um, for any parent losing a child, whether by death or them going missing, it's not easy. Um, Maybe he saw one of my mom on Facebook. Maybe, um, maybe he saw one of mine. I'm, I'm not sure, but maybe he felt his own conscious kind of way and say, you know what? There's, there's a, there's a parent, there's a mother, there's a father, there's another family out there that is, um, hurting and they need answers. And maybe, maybe if, even if my son looks bad, I can help them in some type, some type of way.
All right. So did he ever state what he thought when he first got it? Of course, there was, like you said, this time between him getting the text and his son dying. However, his son died. Did, did he ever have a chance to talk to Joshua about this text before Joshua died? Um, any, any ideas? I don't, I don't know. I, I, he never told, um, our detective if he had called Josh, Josh, um, afterwards, or if there was conversation afterwards, if there had been any, uh, enlightening of that kind of text message, because I feel like just that that's pretty jarring for yeah. anybody. Um, so my initial reaction would be to call someone and say, what are you talking about? Right. Uh, so I don't know if he had ever confessed about it or if he just said, all right, you're nuts, you're wacko. I'm not going to give this any attention at all because I do know some people that would act that way. If someone just texted them that out of the blue, they'd be like, all right, you're crazy. Flock. You right. know, they wouldn't do it. Me personally, I would, but I know some people that wouldn't. Mm -hmm. I guess uh, what it's also implying is that if he did say, well, I didn't want to think my son was a murderer, I guess when he got the text, it kind of almost sounds like he might have believed it. Yeah, I I think maybe he maybe he did believe it. Maybe he thought it was like a drunken whatever at the time. Just thought, okay, he's being nuts. And then as time went on after uh he'd lost his own child um, and yeah. were not as they seemed maybe he started to see there was maybe some truth behind it. Okay. And we also can't forget that Joshua did contact you in February. And so he's calling you being concerned about uh, Jace. But then just a couple weeks after that, he's texting his father saying, I was there when Jace died. He was tied up with, we, so multiple people, threw him in a swamp. So, yeah. so if we are to believe this text, it'll be up to the audience to decide one way or the other. The, while at the same point he's calling you, he actually already really knows what happens happened to Jace. Yeah. Okay. Did the police uh, try to verify this? Uh, go, you know, maybe go back to Joshua's place and take another look at it. Um, how serious did the police take this text? What did they do to try to figure out? if this were true or not, and then I'll ask you some more questions about it. I know that the police um, in Desterhan, so St. Charles uh, Parish, they, I don't think any of them ever went up to the parish in which Josh's death took place. Mm -hmm. um, I know that the police on Josh's case, I believe it's, God, I lived there and it's completely spaced. Uh, it's Tangipahoe Parish, I'm sorry the parish that Josh lived in is Tangipahoe. And I don't think, I know they reached out um, to our detective and offered um, the names from the Bible and, you know, a little bit more of information. Cause I know they initially thought, okay, well maybe this missing person and this dead person are somehow connected. Yeah. Cause it was very weird like suspicious that one person went missing and then another person within that 
friend group yeah dead within a time period so i mean even aside from that text message it's just very weird and eerie i agree and suspicious um so i know that they had contacted the police on uh our case but they never went to uh hammond uh, which is the city in which this happened they never went to hammond to maybe go to his apartment or do any digging or anything like that all right so all we have are uh josh's words this text to his father that his father kind of buried for a couple months finally turned it in um you know who knows of course uh, his of course josh's family would have had access to his place after he was dead not saying they did anything but you know it would have been best to had they turned that text right in when joshua died no matter how he died instead of a couple months later of course then it brings in being that it is the text that exists that then it brings in the idea if this was a suspicious death could joshua have been murdered because he really did do something to chase i mean it, it just goes in all these different directions we have to talk about it because it is a text that somebody who knew jace wrote you know, if it yep. was somebody that wrote this 2,000 miles away who didn't know Jace at all, then we could just blow it off. That'd be like, oh, that's crazy. This isn't so crazy. Um, but I guess what we're also saying, though, is at this point, and we're doing this uh, interview on November 18th, 2022, uh, other than Joshua's own text, no proof that he was involved in Jace's disappearance? No, no proof, uh, which, I mean... We have never really been uh, in the business of accusations, my family and I. We've never definitively pointed a finger and said, yes, he yeah, we're not, did. Yeah, we're, you know? all, I'm asking, all I'm asking you is that is there, other than Jay, uh, Joshua's own words, did the police ever find anything even remotely that could be connected to Jace's disappearance? This is just an example. They discovered that Joshua just happened to be down in the Destrahand area that night that Jace went missing. Just an example. Anything no. like that? No. Okay. Uh, I'll ask you this. The, as far as you know, how well did Elizabeth and Joshua know each other? Um, they knew each other pretty decently. Um, how they came into contact, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but I knew, I know they were they were friends. The, I, I don't know exactly how close, you know, I, I don't know if they were, you know, super buddy, buddy or, you know, best friends, but they were rather close ish, you know? Okay. Even though in, once again, I realized you didn't know Elizabeth that well, you only met her twice. And of course, Jace told you to stay away from Joshua. Do you not think that Jace would, Jace would have told Elizabeth also to stay away from him? Um, I imagine he would. I imagine he would have said, hey, you know, I, I don't contact that individual for this reason. I think maybe it's best if you stay away from him as well. Okay. How far is Hammond from uh, Destrahan? It's about a 30 to 45 minute drive, um, give or take a little bit, depending on the traffic and everything. But it's it's not crazy far. It's not okay. like un you know unimaginable. Can't okay. get there. 
All right, so we have a situation just to kind of put this all together before we go into one more thing about the phone. That Elizabeth and the story is that Elizabeth and Jace had an argument. He leaves, takes uh, some things with him. He texts her saying, I'm sorry. And when she locates where he is, right after that, seemingly his phone goes dead. He is still missing. So is this backpack. So is this trash bag allegedly with clothes in it. Even despite searches, although maybe a river search could have been a little better. And then his uh, friend of me or a former friend contacts you, all concerned. His name is Joshua Cook and seemingly found out about it just like everybody else did. But he dies, um, let's just say a month later somehow, and um, seemingly a suicide, maybe not. But right before he, he died, he sent his father this text that he was actually involved in Jace's disappearance. And being very specific, Jace was tied up, put in a swamp somewhere. He doesn't mention the location. He doesn't mention how he was down in that Destrahan to even uh, run into Jace. He doesn't name any accomplices. But it seems clear to me from the text, he is intimating that there were other people involved. But the father doesn't turn this in until two months later. But, the you know, what are the odds that the Josh is down there? It would seem that there might have to be some connection somewhere to how what are the odds that he would be down there and then jace is out there in the park all by himself so that'll be things that the listeners have to contemplate but i also have one more thing regarding the phone is it true that it ended up pinging in july 2020 yes please explain um i someone reach out to me whose husband work for I believe a neighboring uh, in Louisiana worked for um, that police department and she'd contacted me and said that she'd heard about Jace's and uh, asked if she could have a little bit of information so I gave her the information gave her Jace's phone number they did um, some running on it and it pinged in Ormond Meadows area in July of 2020 and they were able to give me that address which I didn't connect at the time of it being um Elizabeth's address like I didn't realize it so when she had given me that information I called our detective um then the, the detective went out there realized it was Elizabeth's home and questioned her again search and they said nothing was uh fruitful nothing turned up it occurs to me that if it pinged in july of 2020 this would have been right around the time that she stated that she stopped paying the bill on it right she said she paid it for a few months maybe into the summer yeah okay um is it possible this could as you even found out yourself that eventually somebody else got the number is it possible this just could all be connected to that that it was the process of this number being given to somebody else or something like that yeah it is it is possible um i just we didn't know that she'd shut the phone off um mm -hmm. at the time until 
uh, several months later, you know, Jace's birthday's in January. If she'd shut it off sometime in the summer, that's about a six to seven, possibly eight month time span that we had no idea that the phone had been shut off. Yeah. Uh, so it is very possible that when, uh, I don't know how, you know, redoing phone all that stuff works, but it is possible that when they transferred that number over to a different phone, some things went wild and some pinged. Um, I have no idea, but all I know is that I was given the information and I just, it was yeah. worth a shot. In the- <laughs> okay. So the way, once again, there was a, a ping that happened and when they triangulated it, it was right there on the street where Elizabeth and Jace lived. Yes. And that's your understanding of it. And yes. it was like five months after six months after he went missing. Yes. Okay. How tough has the last two and a half years been, Victoria, for you and the rest of your family? Um, very tough. It has not been easy. Um, you know, we've gone through Thanksgivings, Christmases. We're about to do another one. You know, holiday seasons, and um, my mom's birthday is early January. Uh, she's January sixth. Jace is January 16th. I'm January 27th. My sister is in February. Like we're all boom, 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 boom. Um, so honestly, it's, it's a very time of year for us. This between September and February, really not easy for my family. Um, but I mean, we've gone through birthdays, and holidays, and everything without him and I don't know sometimes it's it doesn't feel real it it doesn't feel like this is actually my life uh it doesn't feel like he's been gone for that long sometimes I have dreams and I'm still here and I wake up and remind myself that he's not um I mean I just I just got married last month in October. And I remember, uh, you know, my brother Cedric and I, we had a dance together to honor my dad and Jace. And I just looked at him and I said, it's just us. It's just me and you, man. It's me and Tab. And he's like, yeah, I know. And at that point we both kind of just broke and just kind of stood in the middle of the dance floor and cried. Um, it's, it's not, I mean, it's so hard to just put into words because there's not a textbook for this. There's not advice that anyone can give any individual uh, when it comes to having an individual go missing. I, I've gotten to a place in the last probably year where I've accepted that we may not ever get in um, for Jace. And some sometimes sleep comes a little bit easier. Two years, almost three years later, I can sleep sometimes. Um, but more often than not, I am plagued by it because, I mean, I just don't, I don't know where he is. Right. And my mom carries this like weight of guilt that 
maybe if she'd called him back that night and or maybe if she'd done this or done that we wouldn't be where we are um so it's it's not it's not easy it's it's something i wouldn't wish on my worst enemy to ever go through this you know i mean he was very young he was 31 he still had his whole life ahead of him and now i mean we don't know where he is yeah the not knowing uh that is a that's a topic that comes up quite often it's uh i think most of the guests who have been on unfound think that their their loved one is deceased could be foul play could be an accident could be a suicide sometimes it's just hard to tell but they they're to the the point that they realize that they're not going to see their son daughter um sibling of course i've had children who've lost parents to disappearances but that not knowing is the part you know if there could be some definitiveness to it even if it was let's say it ended up being an unsolved murder where the remains are found and it's obvious that there was foul play but the killer's out there somewhere but that would certainly bring that part of the mystery to an end and there might be Right. Uh, a little bit of a resolution there, but it's just nothing. You got nothing. Yeah, and I, I think uh, the hardest part, like I said, it's not a textbook. You know, I can't go to the library and pluck a book off the shelf and say how to cope with a missing sibling yeah. or how to with a missing child. There is none of that. There's nothing. And, you know, it really is the not knowing and it's kind of come to a point with my family and myself that it's like, would would it be amazing if he just showed up on our doorstep and was like, Hey, here I am. Yeah. Yeah. It would. I mean, I'd probably strangle him myself because like, Mm -hmm. what the hell is wrong with you? But if we know that it's like, if we just want something, like we just want a, a body or anything so we can have something of him back. You know, after after my dad died, you know, he was diagnosed with cancer. He was cremated. You know, that funeral, it's that definitive, okay, they're gone. They're not here anymore. I can start my grieving process. When you have someone that's missing, there's this weird grief that isn't the same grief that you have lose someone actual death from a car accident or a sickness. It's totally different mutated. And like, we have no funeral. We have no body. We have nothing. So we don't have that okay, we can move on. We don't have that peace. I mean, he's got two daughters. Yeah. Like, what are we supposed to tell them? Like, eventually, they're going to ask questions. They're going to want to know where he's at. What am I supposed to tell them? Like, am I just supposed to tell them that he just ran off and that he didn't want to be a part of their lives anymore? 
how how am I supposed to look those two babies in the face and tell them I don't know? Like how how are how are their moms supposed to do that? Like so many people are so affected by a missing person, whether it's a friend or a family, whatever. Like you don't people don't realize that when an when someone goes missing, like it's a, it's like a domino effect. There's a lot of people that are affected by it. Yep. And you know, I mean, as small as like there were people he worked with that were probably used to seeing him every Wednesday. And then one Wednesday he just wasn't there anymore. And they're like, huh, wonder what happened to him. You know? Like, it's it's not easy. It's like I said, it's something I wouldn't wish my worst in. Yeah. Like, I'm twenty-six, almost twenty-seven years old. I don't have any children. But I just got married and I have to think like my kids won't have their their grandfather and won't have their uncle Jace. They won't have him to run up to on Christmas and sit on his lap and listen to him tell jokes or, you know, they won't have anything to look forward to one day of mm-hmm. meeting their uncle or, yeah. you know, like that. So all they're going to have are my memories. All they're going to have are my mom's memories and our stories of who he and that's the that's the way that we keep going like he lives on through us he lives on through me and my mom my brother sister and we keep him alive as best as we possibly can even if he is still alive somewhere out there we don't know that so we we keep moving we constantly tell those stories and memories hold on to that yeah i'm sorry i didn't mean to cry no no no. crying is allowed on this podcast do you have a facebook page website anything like that set up for jace's disappearance if so why don't you tell the listeners about it right now uh we do um it is Missing Jace Martin, J-A-C-E. That's all you have to type in. It's linked to my Facebook, my mom's polls. And we honestly don't post as much as we probably should on there because it's hard. Like, it's really hard to get on there and be like, hey, we got nothing. You know, it's really hard to just constantly let people know that there's nothing going on in his case and that we don't have any answers still so we really don't post a whole lot um i might try to start turning it into like a memorabilia type of if anyone has like pictures or videos or stories of him that they want to share they can um just to try to maybe bring some light in because it is heavy and it is pretty dark so maybe I'll try to bring in some light in there some kind of way. But that's the only page we have. Um, I don't have like a Instagram for it or okay. anything. It's just that, that Facebook page. I don't have a website. I don't know how to make 
website. Um, <laughs> why don't you uh, Why don't you give out the name of the page again? It is missing Jace Martin J A C E M A R T I N. Victoria, any final words before we complete this interview? Um, just that if anybody thing, if they've heard from him, and you didn't know how to find us, get in contact with us. You do now. Um, please, we just want to know. Like, we just want to know what happened. We just want to know where he is. Um, and thank you, Mr. Ed, for reaching out and being interested and, you know, yeah. being willing and, and at least discuss his case. I know it's crazy and chaotic and kind of weird, but, you know, we haven't That's had anyone. Mean. So it means a lot that you, your assistant reached out and are willing to speak with us and put it out there we really yeah. greatly more than i could ever express you're very welcome and uh yeah my assistant emily uh first reached out to you and she does great work uh, i'm very lucky to have her so um you're very welcome and i appreciate you being on this episode of unfound thank you so much you're welcome and that was my november 18th 2022 interview with Victoria Martin, sister of Jace Martin. I thank her for joining me and all of you on both audio and video for this episode. I produced a YouTube video concerning the locations and area discussed with Victoria. You can find it on the Unfound podcast channel. Let's get right to the question many of you are surely asking yourself now. Concerning that point that I kept secret until you heard it late in the interview, was Joshua Cook telling the truth or were his words just the ramblings of someone with an addiction or mental health issue or both? The corollaries to that question are, did Joshua Cook commit suicide or not? And either way, does Joshua's death have anything to do with Jace's disappearance? Because I labor on this podcast to teach you how to think about disappearances and everything concerning them and not what to think, I will stick to the big picture using unfound examples, then you can do with the information whatever you want. First important point. In disappearances where we think murders occurred, the suspects just about never admit any wrongdoing. In fact, as we've seen many times, the suspects would rather tell outrageous stories that are obvious lies concerning unknown men in white trucks, mental hospitals, unseen death certificates, and false sightings of the missing people. They'd rather do all that than keep their mouths shut. What could be the counter-argument for all of the above? Joshua could have had regret for the murder, given that at least at one time the two were friends. Joshua might have known he was on the edge of killing himself and felt he needed to get this off his chest. Joshua could have been so high that he didn't know what he was saying but was actually telling the truth. Maybe most importantly, why would Joshua take credit for a murder he didn't commit? Second point. 
All suspects in the disappearances we've covered that we believe to be murders were reasonably geographically close to the victims at the time. The problem we have is there's no proof saying Joshua was anywhere near Jace that night. Likewise, it seems unlikely that in Jace's time of need that he would have called Joshua. Likewise, likewise, Victoria did not establish a solid connection between Joshua and Elizabeth, to the point that Elizabeth would have called Joshua for whatever reason, nefarious or not, that would have brought Joshua to the area. The counter-argument, and you probably see this one coming from like 3,000 miles away, a jury convicted Steve Pankey for the disappearance and murder of Janelle Matthews, despite the prosecution never proving Steve was on her street that night. Furthermore, Steve Pankey and Joshua Cook share the quality that neither could stop talking about their respective disappearances, despite there being no facts to connect these guys to them. But I guess at least Joshua knew Jace. We cannot say the same for Steve and Janelle. The third and final point. For the disappearances that Unfound has covered, where a murder was proven, or at least highly suspected, the motive, although not an element of any crime, is clear. Andrea Bowman, her father didn't like her blabbing about his abuse of her. Zoe Campos, a rape that turned into a murder by a guy who had a history of assault. Austin Pivo, beef with co-workers that turned violent. Ashley Simpson, like Zoe Campos, a rape that turned into a murder. Tyler North, his ex-wife lured him to his death because she's the ex-wife. Kelly Rothwell, still unproven, but she was surely murdered due to her breaking up with David Perry. For Jace's disappearance, if Joshua and others murdered him, given their history, maybe a motive is easy to understand. But what are the odds that Joshua and company decided to exact revenge on Jace due to that motive on the very same night that Jace's girlfriend kicked him out? The counter-argument to all of this? I'll just pick one. Patsy Action. Given all the blood in her car, she was surely murdered. But why? By whom? We have no idea. And oh, one more thing, I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've just finished this episode of unfound.